I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Martin and Shirley, Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> do you remember that show? Mr. Yes, and yeah, we did that one soon. We did, did it. Do it? it? I'm yeah, sure we, we did a long yeah, time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, we did. And it. you know what? The longer you've been together, the harder it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> you change your mind over decades and years. And so yeah. what did they ask you? Well, it's random things, you know, absolutely random. You know what that Mr. and Mrs. is like, you know, that I show. I think we failed over a leather jacket. That you're wearing a leather jacket. Well, we might, I don't know, but, but Shirley's right. You change your mind over decades, you know, about several times. But if you've only been married about a year, then you've only you know, liked one thing. Yes. You're so keen to know everything to about and, each and other. also to get it all right. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. say all the right things. Yeah. That was so. I wasn't. I didn't know you'd been on Mister and Mrs. I just when but I said it. I did love that show. So did back I. In the early when we were little seventies, wasn't it? Do you wear the slippers? Does your wife wear the slippers? Or do you both share them? <laughs> well, do, do you, you not wear any yes. slippers? <laughs> Where are you two on the slipper front then? No slippers. We no, don't we have don't, slippers. do we really? No. No, don't you really use them? No, oh, okay. Well, we know that yeah. of you. I also learned just before we turned the mics on that you both got tinnitus. Yeah, well, it's not surprising. Well, both because music. Both being in bands in the 80s and clubbing in the 80s. And and it was, I, well, I used to go and see punk bands all the time, same as Martin did, yeah. but always up the front by the speakers. Yeah, but my, mine comes from, uh, it's my, I only have it in my left ear. And that's from uh, where I used to play my guitar. My left ear used to be pointing at my amplifiers. Oh. So we were a young band and it, it was never turn something down to make it sound good. It was turn it up. If you've got number 11 on it, turn it up to number 11. And oh, uh, the louder word. you were, the more rock and roll it was. Or so, you know, you believe when you're young and you pay the price when you're older. Uh, so is it constant then? You both have it all the when time? When I first had it, it actually drove me mad and I didn't think I could live with it. I got it after I think I had Roman. So he's oh, you've had it a long time years ago. But also they said that when after you've had a baby, you shouldn't do long haul flights. And we were living in America then. And I was doing these long haul flights. So whether that did affect it, there was some connection between having a baby and... But it's all the hairs. That's what's weird. It's the hairs you've damaged in the... Ear so canal. could you what do you just hear a ringing sound? So all I would, the time? no, I hear a generator. I live with generator. a generator. Oh wow! Oh. Um, I have really good. You do get used to it, but um, by doing meditations like with headphones on, 
can really help. Oh, how See, um, it's her generator that's feeding my high-pitched whistle. <laughs> so you've got the high-pitched yeah. one. <laughs> it's my, yeah. But I only ever notice it if someone talks, talks about, about it. Talks about it, I know. Now we're talking yeah. yeah, Now I can't not. hear a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We won't mention a thing. <laughs> Do you know, it's really, you, you mentioned punk, and my husband loves punk and reggae. And when I told him, because a couple of weeks ago when I was chatting to you yeah. as well about your book, which we're going to get onto, of course, um, and he said, oh, no, they're, they're both ex-punks. I went... Yeah. No, Spandau, I liked Spandau and I didn't like punk. And I had the shirts and I, no, I wasn't <laughs> punk. And he went, no, their roots are in punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, this is true. Well, look, it actually, it goes back to, it's not really roots are in punk, it's roots are in pop culture. And I think my pop culture, pop culture started in soul music, going down to the Lyceum, just up the road from here, uh, Shaftesbury Avenue. Um, and then it kind of developed into punk. Uh, and then onwards into new romantics. But, uh, you know, I've always loved the idea. When I was a kid, I loved the idea of shocking my mum and dad. Whatever I wanted to listen to was completely against the reverse of listening to their Frank Sinatra. Uh, so soul music was my first thing, where you had those, you were wearing those plastic sandals and those Smith's jeans and mohair jumpers. Uh, and then going on to uh, punk, where it was complete rebellion of, you know, no future. Everything was dark and leather and, and chains. And then complete reverse, which was, I think, the last of the great pop cultures, which I, was yeah. New Romantics, which was everybody for themselves, wear what you want, just be positive, be bright, be ambitious. Uh, and um, so I, I think my roots are in pop culture. OK, I love that. And you, Shirley, though, you uh, you said, you just said that it was from going to punk gigs when you were younger. Yeah. But then, to me, you were pop, proper, proper pop. But that was kind of by my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, punk to me, I just loved the fashion. I couldn't, sh different to, I never shopped my parents. My mum, when I used to come down with green hair, pink hair, she'd go, oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, she always lovely. encouraged me. And she always used to say, if you go against your children when they're learning who they are, they'll make mistakes when they're older. So she was always so encouraging, whereas my best friend's parents absolutely hated it. And she had to come to my house to get all soap in her hair, to make her hair spiky. Oh, really? And, um, but I loved going to see all the live bands. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, but, it just, but I was only 15, 14, I think, at the time. Uh, and punk was so important to music, so important. You know, before, um, when I wanted to be in a band, when I was, I don't know, dreamt of it when I was 14, 15, you had to be able to play like, <clears throat> Pink Floyd. You had to be able to play. It was progressive rock. You had to be incredible. You had to be Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. You had to be of that standard. Um, but all of a sudden, punk came along and made it possible for kids who could not play guitar, like myself, to dream that they could be in the Rolling Stones or to be in the Who. And you just learnt three chords, and you were up and running. And uh, <clears throat> so I had my first band, which was called. The defects, and none of us could play more than three chords <laughs> at school. Uh, but it was that was my grounding, and that's where I am today. And your, but but for both of you, music is so important. I mm. imagine is it still as important? Not you for both? me. Um, You're such a big part of of our. Yeah, but I find it really hard to find up. music. Like in my day, you'd go to the record shop. You'd watch Top of the Pops. That would be your main yeah, kind of that. input. Yeah. I'm lucky because my dad had a huge record collection. He loved music. So, And I had older brothers and sisters, so I had Bowie, Stylistics, 
um, everything in music going on in my house. But what I find hard now, I don't know where you go to find the music. <laughs> You're sounding like a grandma. <laughs> yes. I don't but there's know all the streamers. Find, and... Like, where my influence? Who's influencing me? That's interesting. That's a lot like, of people say the same thing. Whereas, yeah, like, yeah. it used to target me immediately, the fashion, the music, whereas I don't know where it is now. So... I'm a bit lost with well, music. Well, what it was, right, In the in, back in our day, you would save up all month to buy your album, and that album was super special. That's you great. learned every song mm. on it. You knew every word because yes, it was did. written on the cover. You used to write the songs down. Yeah, right. and it was yeah. your thing. It was your flag. That's who you loved. You know, that was your... You try to find people, like-minded people, that also liked that band with that album. Uh, but nowadays, it's so much more eclectic. You know, you can go online and you can pick one track from any one album and you put those things together so in one way music for young kids is a lot better because they list they get to listen to a lot more a lot more diverse things so they get better influences for all you know they listen to classical sometimes and jazz bits and pieces because it doesn't cost them that much they don't have to buy that album but in our day it was one album one band yeah. and that's who you love i think we had it better because we connected with each other more it's like <clears throat> We would dress, and you would say, "Oh, she that likes tribe. that band because yeah. she they dressed like that," and that that was a really good connection for people well, that you didn't culture. know. Yeah, it's pop yeah. Culture. We're going back to Whereas what you said about my daughter. Culture. Always said to me, "Oh, mum, I'm really envious that how you used to dress and you had the club nights." She goes, "My friends are just all kind of no one cares what they wear or where they go." She goes, "I love the fact that you had this place on a Thursday night. You would go there on a Friday night, and it, everyone who went there was in the same mindset and fashion sense." Oh my God, Gabby, we are sounding like nanny and granddad. No, no, you're not. <laughs> because actually, there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this who will think exactly the same as you. Yeah. But also, what I love, so I've sixteen. My sixteen-year-old loves music, and as you just her eclectic mix. You know, from all the influences from obviously me working in different radio stations, she listens to a, a bit of stuff. She loves the 80s, yeah. passionately loves yeah, the yeah. 80s. Lots of the teenagers do. She loves listening to stuff from the 60s. She loves now really, you know, mm. anything from Billie Eilish to whoever. Yeah. And it, I love that she loves that, but yet there's no... There's no tribe, as yeah. it, as no, it were. No, there's no yeah. tribes anymore, which uh, which I think is a is a bit of a shame. But uh, it it you know you, you say it's better now, Cheryl, but it no, isn't better know. now. No, it, it's just yeah. different. Yeah. It's yeah. just different. Kids nowadays yeah, think it's, it's yeah. better now, yeah. and that is how they live. And I, and I think, listen, we all move forward. Yeah. yeah, but it's funny that everyone listens to the old music. So yeah. the stuff that you were both involved with. So when I said to my 16-year-old, I was talking to you both, and then I was singing the song, she was... You were singing the songs? How do you know those? <laughs> because those are the songs I sung as a teenager, yeah. and I knew every word to. She's like, oh, suddenly. Yeah. And it was, and I love that, you know, what, whatever... She can, she that she, knows, they're yeah, ageless. She can reference yeah. it immediately, yeah. And you're yeah. both involved in ageless music, and I'll still start... The stuff that you both are involved with, and the both that you... Uh, were such a big part of all of our lives. Mm. They're still a big part of everybody's yeah. lives, and they still are going. ageless. Yeah, yeah, 
I mean, yeah, we're yeah. coming to Christmas <clears throat> and last Christmas. As I'm Ooh, here we go. I, I thought know. we'd get on to that. No, but we I have to. We <laughs> have to. I know now. I expect it every year that everyone from a toddler will know that song because it's there. It always comes on every year. Yeah. How does Spandau that make never you... wrote a Christmas song, Martin. No. I said Spandau never wrote a Christmas song. Yeah, but we song. wrote Through the Barricades, true. <laughs> you know. Do you know, I'm going to take that to you both now. My, I, so I'm the straightest girl. The straightest, straightest girl. And I'd only ever seen, I, I think, I'd seen something like um, I, I can't even remember. I just nothing. I loved um, really very. I liked pop and I loved band. I loved all of that new romantics. And I used to watch it on telly. And the very first live gig that was sort of a bit rebellious, I went to see Spandau. Hey! Before anybody knew who Spandau were, yeah. there was a friend of mine at school. We went to. It was. Camden or somewhere, yeah. and we went, and it was quite a few people. And I, so I went straight. I went. I have to have one of those shirts. <laughs> I have to have one of those shirts. But it was, it's that it it spoke to a lot of, and also all the stuff with you and George as well. It was such a big part of our lives, and mm. it's not me being nostalgic. <clears throat> mm. And because you say every toddler knows your songs, every toddler knows your songs mm. for both of you. You must have fill you with such pride, both of you. It's a very weird thing but from, that I get out of it now. It's if I look at myself on television, being it, that young kid in Spandau Ballet playing those songs, uh, True and uh, any those different. early ones. Neither if, of you do. If I hear it on the radio, it sounds like somebody else. It, oh. it sounds when I watch it on television, it feels like somebody else on television. It doesn't feel like it's part of me anymore it feels really strange i always have this thing where i think i read once that it takes you seven years to replace every single cell in your body right you you're a different person completely i am about seven times removed <laughs> from that young kid that was in spandau ballet but but i love it but what i think it's done is it it's time has kind of put me in the same place that i appreciate uh, the songs and the band and that era in the same way that other people do, that oh, are not incredible. directly in it anymore. So you're not, there's none of the, the angst, which everybody knows about, which mm. we're not going to talk about, to do with the band. It's been said, yeah. let's not go there. But, so has that gone in yeah, a way yeah. as well? I, oh, oh that's amazing. I, absolutely. I wouldn't like it if it was still there. If I was yeah. still sitting here today yeah. thinking, why isn't the band yeah, together? Yeah. It, I, I would hate myself for that. You know, I like the idea that that was part of my life. You've moved and, on from it. And that. I've moved on from yeah. it. And but but what I got out of it was so incredible. I mean, what an incredible way to grow up. You know, I was assigned the first record contract when I was 18 years old on my 18th birthday. And by the time I was 18 and a half, I was flying around Europe on Learjets and, and, and celebrating. It 18, was that's so young ridiculous. though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now we're of the age that we all are, 18 is so young to be doing that. Yeah, but, but it was exciting. a wonderful, wonderful way to grow up. But that's what it was for me. And I, and I love the idea that I look at it as somebody else now. I love but that. But what you're lucky with Spanda is you could all get back together tomorrow. But but for you, obviously, gorgeous George, lovely yeah. George. Um, I, I mean, he was, I know, your best, best friends with yeah. him. And I knew him on the periphery very well. He was... The naughtiest person I ever met and used to make me laugh a lot. And I just absolutely adored him. But he was your best best. And um but again, his songs, his his He's what, still he, around. He's and that's there. what I love. 
I can yeah. walk into shops, you know, or shopping malls, and he's playing everywhere. And I always take it as a sign. Mm. And oh. I know that his music was his children. That was his love. And that's all he wanted. That's all he wanted for the music to stay around. So such a shock to all of us. Such I, a shock. Yeah. I can't imagine, and I don't, you know, I don't yeah. want to imagine. But, but I hope that he knew how much. Did you? Did he know how much he was loved? I think so. I, I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He did. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he did. But you know, in the last couple of years, it was hard for him to take in any. Of that, it didn't matter how many people loved him. He, he was in the, his own space. Yeah, that he found difficult. He did find life difficult, didn't yeah. he? Well, I th I watched the Robbie Williams documentary oh, the other night. How good! And what it is when you're in the situation where you've put your work on the line, and it is I, I for George, it was his children, and I know how I feel about my children. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm if anyone criticizes, so anyone criticizes you because of your work, it's so painful to that person, and that's. And, you know, I know how much that used to hurt George and, you know, like any criticism he used to get and felt like, oh, why is everyone so negative about certain things? And that, and it really was apparent when I watched the Robbie Williams documentary. It's like, no matter how many thousands of people he was playing in front of, a headline that was negative would crush them. And that's because yeah. those people with talent are really sensitive as well. So... Yeah, I, I, I think it's a hard place to be. Yeah, uh, and uh, George would argue until he was blue in the face. I mean, it, even if he knew he was wrong, he would argue. And, uh, <laughs> and there were times like when he would come over for dinner and everyone would have left the table apart from George at one end and Roman, who was probably about 11 years old at the time, who also can't put an argument down. <laughs> and, and the two of them would just go at each other. And he, he uh, I mean... But how Listen, wonderful, how yeah, lovely. It's, yeah. it's a lovely memory. So let's go to now. Um, actually, you just mentioned Roman, so we have to talk about the kids. Let's let's talk about the kids. Um, you must be unbelievably proud of your boy. Uh, well, and your daughter and as well. Daughter. Both yeah, both of them. them. You know what? It's best, not She's got so the best name. Pride. I know I keep saying it. <laughs> Harley Moon. <laughs> Harley Moon. It's not so much pride with me. It's like this huge relief and a big smile in my soul because you're only as happy as your children are. If my mm. children are happy, I'm mm. I'm doubled over. Really true, yeah. So every day when my kids ring me and they say, "Oh, I did this today, I did that today," I that just feeds my soul. You know, it's not about what they're earning or it's like they rang me, they're happy. It's all good. It's okay. Take yeah, it's breath. all good. No, that's and that's, a, that's as far as I go with it. it it's so. a really nice way to put it as well, but and it, I think what it is, is I'm not so proud of what they've achieved and what they're doing. It's more of the people they've become uh, and the adults they're turning into. And that, that's what you do. I mean, I, as a parent, I, I think your job in life is to make them or give them a chance to do better than you. You don't want them to like, you don't want to feel like, oh, yeah, they're doing better than me. Why is that? I want them to do that. Yeah. That's why that's all the information you give them through life when you bring them up is for them to do better than you. You know, that's that's the whole idea. I get that. I under, completely understand. So when with Roman, with well, obviously on the radio every day and, mm. and the one show and his documentaries, yeah. the second one, 
out and the the, the stuff that you do together, TV that you do together, mm. um, and and Harley Moon is, is she, Paris. Is it? No, was she it Paris? was no was Harley. It? She was working. She's directing. She's, She's uh, yeah. yeah um, she was directing. I mean, it's great. She was being nice. She was going mum. I'm directing, I'm in Paris, I'm just out there for 10 days because I'm just living the life. And she, she is the most positive person I've ever met. Oh. She doesn't suffer, she doesn't go down. She just she just stays up there. It's her name, so, you see. Yeah. yeah. So you gave I right love name. it when she comes home because she just gets me like dancing, singing, laughing. So, um, but yeah, she's she she's a workaholic though. That's the down that is the downside to both my kids. They, they work both love so them. much yeah. that when I call, sorry mum, can't talk working. Or oh, sorry, just on set, mum. I'm like, oh, okay. Ring me later, but they do ring back. Yeah, I've, you, I've used that one a few I'm times like, as I'm well. I'm like, have a day off. What, Shirley? Yeah. Oh, no, I haven't. No, 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 they do. No, it's opposite, Gabby. He rings me about four times yeah, a day. Oh, that's lovely. How long have you two been together? <laughs> well, I met Martin when I was 20. 1982? Uh, 41 got... years. Yeah. Yeah. 40... Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just found out we're sex... Sexitarians now. Sexitarians. Sexi when you're in your sixties, right. it's sexitarian or something. No, that sounds a bit dodgy. Yeah, I know it does. I thought that can't be right. Sexitarians. Something like sexitarians. <laughs> Can someone help me out? What's it oh, called no, when you're no, in your sixties? No, no one's helping true. you out. We're leaving you. Right. Yeah, we're leaving we're you. We're leaving you. Can someone there. Google something oh. quickly. When you're in your sixties, you're called. Sex <laughs> Sexitarian. Sex <laughs> just leave it. I'm just leaving. Yeah, leave Sorry. it. Stop. You're thinking there of There we go. You're just sexy. Yeah, anyway, they've been together for 41 years. <laughs> yeah. um. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I just want to take you all the way back, though, Martin, because very, very yeah. sadly, um, the news came out about Anna Scher. Yeah. Um, and she was such a 
massive part of your life and so many of the EastEnders stars. Yeah. We will get to EastEnders, of course, as well. But so many people that I know who went through uh, Anna Scherstall's. Mm. Um, and that's where it all really started for you. Yeah, I mean, I was the shyest little boy you can ever imagine. You know, shy to the point of it was an illness. Uh, and my mum and Anna Scher opened up the club drama club across the road from me in Bentham Court in Islington uh, and my mum put me there two nights a week 10p a lesson um, 10p a lesson 10p a lesson that's amazing to get rid of my to get rid of my shyness not to become an actor or anything like that but to kind of like help my personality along really and I ended up joining her and uh, doing all of those 1970s TV shows like Play for Today, Comedy Playhouse, all of that stuff in the in the eight years I was there, uh, and it sh what I what I felt that Anna gave me was a personality. She gave me the good side of my personality. Oh, I'm sure of it. How amazing! The bad side came from Steve Strange. But we <laughs> won't even go there. Oh, we but, can go there. But, we but, can go but, there. Yeah, but but she gave me that that positive, that good side of my personality that um, I enjoy and I, as part of me today. But like you said, she was so important in the area that I came from, giving working class kids a dream, letting them understand what was possible, letting them understand what was out there that they could achieve and how much, just how much fun life could be. You know, it didn't have to be the doldrums of of. Mm. of Islington at that point, because Islington, when I grew up, was uh, a super poor area. It was still suffering from post-war, really. The, you know, Gary and I used to play on some of the bomb sites that were left over from the war. It hadn't been regenerated since then. And uh, so Anna's was a little oasis. And you can tell by the people that came out of it, like Phil Daniels, Pauline Quirk, Linda Robson, um, myself and my brother, and the, the list goes on and on and on. She just had she had some magic touch. The, the magic touch, touch that I think she had was that she never put you down. She would get you to do things. She never taught me anything, but she gave me confidence. It That's, didn't matter. What a gift. It, it didn't matter. When I stood in the middle of that room in front of, like, uh, the other 20 kids and did a little, I don't know, put a hat on and made out I was someone else, uh, all improvisation, it was kind of like playing in front of these kids. But she never once said to me, that was good, but try it like this. She never, all she ever said was, that was brilliant. Get up and wow. do it again. Uh, and I think that that is the way that we brought Harley and Roman yeah. up. It yeah. is just purely giving that constant confidence. Absolutely. That's you know. so important. Absolutely. It's so important. Do you know, it's interesting, uh, the amount of people that come on this podcast, I, I talk very openly about shyness, and I think more mm. people should, because yeah. I was absolutely crumbled yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't speak. Yeah. You, I was going to ask you, were you the same? Absolutely. And I'm really envious that Martin had Anna Scher. So what did you have? Up. How did you start then in the industry? Because George and Andrew needed someone. That was as simple as that. Yeah, I was just we were just mates, but we went clubbing and dancing. But we used to rehearse the dance routines in George's bedroom. And so when the boys had already made the records and got a record deal, I wasn't involved in it then. I'm just I'm just proud that my friends have, you know, yeah. signed a record contract. But you're still this shy girl though. I'm still a shy quiet. yeah, really shy girl. And but there's something about when I get on stage, I don't feel shy. Yeah. There's some persona that takes over. There's something that happens when I'm on stage. Mm. Um, I'm not the same person. 
But if you ask me to suddenly stand up in a restaurant and sing, I'd never do anything like that. I'd rather play a, a huge stadium that feels like, yeah, yeah this yeah, is right. Yeah. Well, we but, always get more money. Yeah, get more money. <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm not one of those people, let me sing, you know, like... I met Liza Minnelli once, and she is one of those women who would get up and sing anywhere. Yeah, like her confidence yeah. is just beaming. She wants to entertain everyone. <clears throat> and I looked and thought, I wish I had a bit of that, but no, I haven't got that. But you do. You entertain. You're an. Enter- that's what you are. Yeah. You both are. You're entertainers, and I don't think that. I think that's a positive thing to be called. I know people are a bit mm. ooh entertainer, no, no. but yeah. it's a positive yeah. thing that you bring joy in people's lives. You make yeah. them think. You know, I love you, that side, yeah. bringing uh, joy, making people yeah. think, inspire. I love to be inspired, so to inspire others is is the key reward. Fabulous. Yeah, it's wonderful. a beautiful place to find yourself is inside this bubble called entertainment. Yeah. It's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful place to live, you know, where you can do uh, presenting or directing or 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 whatever we do as entertainers you know theatre but it's an absolutely wonderful place to live and I think that's why people like Michael Caine go on to 90 years old because you just don't want to give it up I I suppose uh, then entertaining you mentioned Mm. presenting we've talked about music Mm. we haven't mentioned the acting and uh, we did with Anna but obviously EastEnders and when I was chatting to you recently I didn't realise that that was if I'm going to use the word famous. Yeah. I, I don't like the word famous. I don't like. The, I hate the word celebrity. That's a yeah. personal yes, me thing. too. Um, yeah. But you were the most famous that you had ever been when you were in EastEnders, oh, Steve. Without a doubt, you, you know. But that to me, it was like sorry, you're, you're Spandau, but it. But EastEnders was twenty million every it's, every day. It, 20, 25 million. Yeah, twenty million an episode at that point. You know, when I was doing that whole uh, thing with Matthew, uh, who was going to prison, was it him or me? You know, that everyone was talking about. Uh, it was a an amazing place to be EastEnders, uh, but it was made even more amazing for what came before, really, because I'd just come through that whole five-year period of of doing the brain tumour stuff, yeah. uh, which was probably the darkest point of, of my life. You know, I wasn't even sure if we were going to get through that. Uh, but you were so amazingly open about it all. You well, yeah, about because it. when I was going through it, uh, and when I uh, was suffering from those brain tumours, um, there was no one out there that was... Um, someone that I could look towards and say they came through it. There was no one. that. Uh, so so when it happened to me, I just wanted to tell people, to listen, t- oh, that's interesting. You know, here I am, you know, and I've come through the other side of it. Uh, but it was... So EastEnders was kind of like the first job that I had. So did it feel like a... I'm going to... This is re- sounds yeah. really dramatic. A rebirth in a way? It, in a way it did, yeah, because... Because, but I wasn't even sure that I could take EastEnders on when it came to me. When I first did the audition, my brain was still working, had been beaten up properly. Yeah. And like to the point where literally, and if emotion. I wanted to walk left, I would walk right. And if I wanted to walk forward, I walked back. I didn't even know that if I could remember lines. So... When you mean the, the, for, because of the brain tumor? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, because of the, the uh, bruising. Yeah. 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 yeah, so so my brain was completely beaten up. Uh, and EastEnders, when it came along, the first audition, when I went into it, uh, I couldn't even remember the lines because my brain wasn't working properly. And it was only 
they saw something in me and said, come back and do a second audition. And I went back uh, and I nailed the second audition uh, and things started to move much more quickly. And I, my recovery started to become much quicker. Uh, and by the time I got onto the set, uh, I was, I can't believe how my gratitude for getting that part was more than just, oh yeah, that's another job, land another job and move on. It was because it actually kind of was the way that I found myself getting better. So it helped heal you oh, as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you surely must have, that must have been <clears throat> the most terrifying thing. It was that because you've ever been through. Um, Harley was about four and Roman was one. And Martin had been was always at the gym and he had this lump on his head. And I kept saying, that lump's getting bigger and bigger. But he didn't have any side effects, so he wasn't bothered by this lump. Mm. And then... But it was what, really small. It wasn't like no, you, you could... Well, I thought it was a lump. Well, But yeah. anyway, he went. I managed to get him, kept saying, go to doctor, go to doctor. Went to doctor and they said, just have an MRI just to check. And I never forget the phone call when he said, I've... I've just got the results. They said it's a brain tumour. And I remember standing there going, I'd never heard of anyone having, I just thought it was a death sentence, brain tumour. Mm. And then they said, but they said, I've got two. And it just, I remember looking at Harley and Rowe thinking, oh, no, no, no. They, I want, they have to have their dad. They have to have their dad. And we on the Monday, I think that was on the Friday, on the Monday we drove to see a surgeon. And then a few days later, Martin's in intensive care after having half of his skull taken away. I mean, so it, like you I was beside myself, yeah. You, you, like you said about you putting sort of that you look back and that's that part of your mm. seven yeah. years yeah. and there's many seven years that have happened. So that, going through that, it must feel like you're sort of talking about somebody else for both of you yeah and then yeah. there we were going to steve owen it was a massive character and that helped you heal yeah then then you which i can't remember the timeline then the craze you went to meet the craze in yeah you went to meet well, him in prison the, didn't you as well i mean the most extraordinary the craze were before the brain tumor the craze were before yeah, yes that's when harley was a baby yeah 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 the craze was uh, but you met 80, at the yeah, end of band. yeah yeah at the end of band. and the craze was such an important movie for me because the craze was like i knew by 1989 i knew that spandau my whole life right everything i knew was coming to an end Right, and right. I needed a get-out clause. I needed an escape hatch out of Spandau because I didn't know where to go. The, the last album, in fact, in about 1988, the last album, Gary didn't want to do it. Gary was absolutely adamant, I, I'm finished He's with spoken Spandau. spoken about that, hasn't he? he and said, yeah. um, it was only me. I was practically... I went for a walk with him on the beach in Bournemouth one time where my mum and dad used to live. And I was practically begging him to do it. But not out of... I think... Not out of the fact I really I wanted to stay in Spandau. <clears throat> it's more of the fear of not knowing what was next. What was next? Yeah, where I was going to go and what what I was going to do. Uh, and God, little did you know what was going to be yeah. happening. Yeah, and so when when Spandau finished at, by 1990, just before then, the um, the guys that used to make all of the those super expensive videos that we used to make the bands used to make in 1980s um or you know all those spandau videos they, they bought the rights to the Kratwin movie and spoke to me and gary about take playing those parts um and they put a lot of trust in us and that movie was one of those moments in life 
that changes your life. Uh, it you've was got, you, sorry, you've had a lot of those. Yeah, yeah, you've I've been quite lucky. I mean, yeah. you know, close yeah, to death lucky. in intensive care. You, you, yeah. The Cray movie off the back of Spandau. Yeah. Actually, just just that story because it is amazing about you going to the prison and meeting. Uh, yeah, um, I you know we did a lot of um, a lot of research into those parts, and there was a long time in between saying yes to the movie and the movie actually kicking off. So we had about a year and a half because it you know the government didn't want the movie made right. They didn't want uh, Ronnie and Reggie to become these icons, mm -hmm. you know. Um, for everyone so while they were still alive. So they tried to stop the movie. So it was about a year and a half. Uh, and we did all this research. We went out and we met the, the families and we met um, the, the old gang that was still alive and talking to them. And then one day we get a chance to go into Broadmoor and meet Ronnie, uh, it, which was the strangest thing that's ever happened. But it is strange going into any prison. You know, it's quite daunting. And you go through those big old doors and they let you in. And and But Broadmoor's slightly different because all the prisoners sit around in their own clothes. So uh, it, it's the dining room that is opened up for you to go into. They try and make it a little bit more relaxed than normal prisons. Um, and as Gary and I walk in, we can see Ronnie Cray stand up in the corner and he calls us over. He's only a small man, but in his beautiful silk suit, you know, he's got a, his RK monogram on his shirt. How and he calls extraordinary us over. in prison. Yeah, and he calls <laughs> us over. And Gary and I both go over. We're nervous as anything, right? You, you know, we sit next to Ronnie Cray. And Ronnie, and I, I sit down. And the weirdest thing happened. Nobody told me, and they should have done, that Ronnie speaks with a really high voice. Now, that made me nearly laugh. Right. I, I mean, I can't tell you. I'm sitting there with Ronnie Cray, and he's speaking like this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what is? I, I wanted him to speak like Danny Dyer. You know, get down <laughs> That's in what his, we all think. Down in his boots, yeah. you know. But he didn't. He spoke really high. And uh, anyway, he said, "Boys, you can ask me anything you want." And so, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, we are talking about murder. We are oh. talking about who he's going to, who he wanted to kill, who he should have killed, how he should have got away with it, and who he's going to kill if he gets out. And I'm looking around thinking, this is the weirdest day of my life. Because about 10 foot away from me is the Yorkshire River. <gasps> and I'm thinking, what made it even worse? What made it even and what could make it worse than those people? Well, I just come from Saturday morning superstore with Spanish. Oh my! And, and, and it was in complete contrast. But your it, life is extraordinary. It was extraordinary. Yeah, it was. No, extraordinary. but it no. Yeah. So, as from an outsider yeah. who's interviewed you over the years yeah. so many times, and each time I interview <laughs> you, I sort of. What? It's. <laughs> I, I mean, it really is extraordinary. Yeah, and I, then you were, I, I've had a lot of fun. I have to say, you you've know, got and the more to come. More to come. Up more and, to come. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. This, I love the idea that you ring up. Hey, Cheryl, you never guess who I've just met. <laughs> <laughs> you never guess what's just happened. Oh, hi, Cheryl. I'm in intensive. Care. It, it, it is yeah. extraordinary. So now let's bring it up to date. Yeah. Um, the book, uh, the game. Congratulations. It's you on oh, those pages. Oh, thank you And it you so is much. you because that's the name. So our lead, our hero, that is the name that you used to check into hotels at. Yeah, yeah. He was my pseudonym for a good 20 years, you know. Uh, all the time I was in Spandau and, and 
post that when I was acting in Los Angeles. It's just kind of like, you know, you're, all bands have pseudonyms so that um, the, the young kids don't find yeah. out what room you're staying in in a hotel. But I used him uh, for that reason. I also used him on my bag tags, the laminates that were following me around the world. So he was always with me, always. And it wasn't until uh, I shot the Cray Twins that I had... I was starting to put the idea together that Johnny Klein had life on his own. Uh, and so I wrote down a kind of like a one-page synopsis about how... Would, that long ago? Yeah, how wow. it would be like a good TV show or something. But it was very different to how it is now. But so it was always with me. And it was an idea that I kind of like put on the top shelf in my brain, you know, that collected dust for a little while. Until I thought it was the way forward with Johnny Klein is, is to write a novel. Is to put him inside it, a thriller. It works so well, but it reads as you speak. I mean, Shirley, did you read the book as he was writing, as Johnny Klein and the game came to life? Yeah, so I kind of live with Johnny Klein as well. Yes. So um, <laughs> I've, I've read a lot about Johnny Klein and I know him very well. So what I love when Martin writes, because I think you are, that's what his what he does best. You're a re you really like, are such a, a good writer. Yeah. Oh, and you then, really I, are. I was like, oh, can you read this for me? And I thought, oh, I haven't got time. And then I sit down and then I'm drawn in. I'm like, well, what happens next? What happens next? He's got a great way of writing that make, keeps you there and you yeah. want to know what happens page next. Page turners. Yeah, page yeah. turner. Well, basically, so, like, Johnny Klein, the game is, is about uh, a rock star who loses absolutely everything, has nothing left, has sold up lock, stock and barrel, including his gold records and his big house and everything. He's only got a pair of jeans and a T-shirt left. And he is rock bottom. So and a friend of his puts him up in the top floor in a block in a building which is above um, uh, an Indian restaurant called Graceland, uh, basically an Elvis theme park, uh, and he has to start again. He has to start life, and he goes down in some of the dirtiest, deepest holes that you can ever imagine, and that's where the thriller comes out of. And that's what, and you've met in these London people. Gangland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of the gang that I write about in the game is probably taken from my days in the Cray Twins. Um, meeting the Craytwin gang yeah. that were still alive at that point. Uh, and also Brick Lane that he goes to is a big part of me. It was every Sunday my dad would have the day off. It would be his only day. And he would take me and Gary on tours around London, showing us different bits, the Monument and Tower Bridge, Brick Lane. But Brick Lane for me always stood out. because Bagels. Of, yeah, the bagels, the smell and <laughs> the colour that you never see, the saris that used to be yeah, hanging around. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then onto the flower market, and it was made such a big impression for me. And I, I think it was about the smell more than anything else. All, all the, yeah. the Indian restaurants, uh, and the, you know, at that point, my mum was only cooking meat and two veg, right? Yeah. So it was all, everything was exotic, and I thought that is the perfect place to write about. You know, but you bring it to life. I mean, it is. I, I've said to you before that it's a, to me, it's a love letter to London as well. Yeah. It really is. Um, I love the idea, though, that I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Of course, Shirley, you've lived with Johnny Klein yeah. all these years. The thing is, in life, you should learn by your mistakes. And what I think Johnny Klein doesn't learn by his mistakes, 
that's what I keep thinking. Well, what if he does learn values? You know, what if he does? What if it all? What, it's got to have a happy ending. He's got to be mega rich now. And it's, Shirley uh, always wanted me to bring him out and uh, bring I him out, to be, of yeah. out of the hole. And yeah, I always like, want to keep him oh, in. The hole. Well, there's got to be more Johnny it's, Klein. Yeah, 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 I there think is. so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm working on one at the moment. Good. And uh, we're we and the TV show with it. Uh, I, that's always the dream. That's every author's dream. I think dream. it's got it's, it's so got visual. To be a TV show. Yeah, I think it's such, it's such a charismatic guy that it's one of those TV shows. People say, "Oh, have you seen Johnny Klein? Yes. You got to watch it." So. Yeah, I mean that's every author's dream to see yeah. it that up on a screen somewhere, whether it's a big screen or small screen. But uh, will you play Johnny? Uh, I listen. I, I think he should. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, Keep him busy. Yeah, because he's just not busy enough. No, no. You two are just wonderful, and um, as I always say, um, after all these years of, of interviewing you. Martin, there is still that little girl in me that you were, that I had the posters on my oh, wall. It's well, still, it's you. like, oh my word. <laughs> I remember interviewing you the very first time was on Motormouth on Saturday morning television. That's right, yeah. And you came on yeah. and uh, I and I remember looking and you kept, you kept saying, you all right? And Neil Buchanan <laughs> kept looking at me and going, what's happened? I was like, <laughs> uh, 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 life on television is never oh, a good look. Um, oh. No, but both of you, thank you very much. Send, thank send you. your kids, my Not love, so. and thank, thank you for you. the book. And when it comes out as the TV show, yes. you'll come back with the cast. Of yeah? course, perfect. Thank you very much. Thank of you, Gabby. Thank you so much for having us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.